Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, indeed. Good morning. Welcome to the war. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you again this day for your provision, your protection, your divine direction, Lord God, in our lives to understand, uh, to grasp what is the nature of this thing we call life. And Father, the clash of the kingdoms and the showdown and what's happening, Lord, to put all of what we go through in our little everyday lives in the bigger perspective of eternity and the clash of the kingdoms, Father. And so I pray that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to be encouraged today to get the bigger picture, to not grow weary in well-doing, to recognize the onslaught of the, the, the powers of darkness and the works of and the strategies of hell as we stand and having done all, we stand in and for the kingdom of God. And so thank you, Jesus, for your divine promise of protection. We pray for the airwaves today that the prince of the power of the air will not have any sway or persuasion or ability to attack or shut down or disconnect this broadcast father god we thank you that it'll reach around the world and that the people in various nations we welcome you also to the broadcast we thank you for being with us today and uh, we're excited that uh, jesus is coming back so welcome be protected be loved and open your ears now for what we got to say in jesus name amen good morning good Good morning morning. amen well we we there is a clash of kingdoms going on. No kidding. It's been going on for a long, long time. And this is what we want to. This is the, uh, this is the war we talk today. about all the time. The war right. between this God and it. Satan. It's been, it's been going on for a, a long, long time. Uh, it, we, Psalm 145 mm-hmm. establishes something really excellent here that we want to uh, share with you here today. Psalm 145, basically the kingdom of, of the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. God is the creator of everything. That means he owns everything. That means he sustains, he sustains everything and right. he rules everything. And in Psalm 145, uh, eight through 13, we read this. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. All your works shall praise you, O Lord, and your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Now, isn't that interesting? It's very nice how God starts us out. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. And we're not going to talk about that exactly today. But, you know, in this battle of the kingdoms, God often looks like he's the bad guy, the mad guy, the guy we got to, you know, make peace with and um, that he's the one who's having a problem here. It's really not him. It actually all began with the, the and by the way, honey, I know you this is implied, but we need to make it clear there are only two kingdoms. Right. This is one thing we have to, we're established. I read those verses in Psalm 145, 8 through 13 to establish uh-huh. God, the creator, created everything, sustains everything. Yep. He has a kingdom. Yes. He rules over all the universes. He is the master of the universes. Mm-hmm. However, within his kingdom, there's been an there invasion. is a temporary mm-hmm. evil kingdom. That's uh, been led, established, led by mm-hmm. Satan, yep. established through rebellion that we read about in uh, Isaiah 14. Right. It started with one kingdom and then Lucifer fell. Defe- he defected, mm-hmm. yeah. wanted his own kingdom, right. wanted to be a God, wanted to be like the most high. And so he has a temporary rebellious kingdom that he has uh, infused Invaded. or he has in, embedded uh, released uh-huh. into the earth That's uh, true. and we see it all all the way back to uh, the the fall of man and actually in the garden. speaking of the fall of man the fall of man began with the fall 
of Lucifer. Lucifer, yes. And Lucifer is the one who began to invade, usurp, steal, uh, connive to get the kingdom of God, which had been given to Adam and Eve, the earth, earthly dominion of that kingdom, to Adam and Eve. And so Satan, Lucifer, fallen the serpent, cunning way of getting a kingdom. He didn't have one, so he had to steal one and make one for himself. So we see that uh, portrayed many places, as you just read in the Psalms, but also in the discussion between Jesus and Satan in their, their confrontation in the wilderness where Jesus was being tempted for 40 days. And um, Satan said to him, he says, well, he says, all these kingdoms I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus realized and he knew that this was just a, a, a trap because all the kingdoms that Satan was going to give him were already Jesus's and would he, he would ultimately re, be restored to them, them to him in the end. So why should he worship Satan? Because the second he bowed the knee or bended the knee or gave a word of worship to Satan, that one syllable, that one act would have given everything over to Satan. So, because Jesus Christ was our last hope. It was the, the last hope for the kingdom of heaven to be restored in the hearts of men. Well, and we read, you know, this has been going on since, like I said, since the garden. Mm-hmm. But there was a, pro- a pro- prophecy, Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Mm-hmm. Jesus enmity is addressing is war. the serpent. Yep. Enmity, there's, so there's going to be war between your seed and he's, her seed, between, we could say, the human race and her seed, which is Jesus Christ. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So God said, okay. As soon as this rebel kingdom had invaded man, uh, the human race mm-hmm. uh, on the earth, God announced that this kingdom is not going to prevail. It's right. going to be bruised. It's going to be destroyed. Right. In all Old Testament, the law and the prophets were uh, set up and, and in preparation. It's God's uh, machinery coming together to uh, make sure that the kingdom of God is going to come to the earth. The full right, manifestation right. of it is going to come. Yes, exactly. Thy kingdom come. And so there was a war set up in uh, Genesis uh, 3.15, a war of seeds, if you will, the seed of the serpent. So the serpent has seed. Jesus talked about you are the sons of your father, the devil. So obviously the, the devil has seed on the earth. He has uh, entities, operating, uh, operators, people. He, hand, he handles them to work and bring forth the kingdom of darkness. But go back to the conversation. Jesus came to confront the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of death. Well, and his message was in Matthew four seventeen. He came preaching a message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Right. But before they could repent, they had to understand that there was something they needed to change their mind about. And so what had happened kind of in setting up uh, the, the, the clash between Satan and and Jesus also became the clash between Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees. And let's look for a second at how that happened. So the, the people, going back to the very beginning, uh, the, seed, the, the seed of the serpent, the seed of the woman, idolatry, paganism had taken over the earth. The people of the earth uh, had been overtaken with uh, Genesis 6, the giants, the Nephilim, the fallen angels, it corrupted from, from within and without. Their DNA was corrupted. Everything was messed up. And the, the salvation, um, the deliverer, would have to come through the seed of the woman. So the seed of the woman, the human DNA, had to be maintained correct and pure. And if Satan could corrupt the DNA, he would have usurped and, and thwarted uh, the, the, the battle plan of heaven. The, the earth had been divided, and, and at the point of the flood, it had become so degenerated that there was no good DNA left except found in Noah, who was righteous in his generation. So Noah and his three sons were basically the only ones left to carry the good seed because the rest of the godly people, actually Methuselah being one of the last ones, had been taken off the earth so that God could bring judgment upon only the evil. And so Noah was put in the boat. Obviously, we know that. And and after the flood, you know, they they hundred. 80 years, 200 years after the flood, they already had regathered, the devil had already regathered his forces to create the Tower of Babel. And at the Tower of Babel, there was a huge insurrection against God, and that's where the nations were divided into 70 groups. And at that point, God picked one man. He says, okay, all these nations of the earth have gone astray. Um, 
let, you know, he let the divine counsel rule over them. And God says, I'm going to find me a man. He always goes for one person usually. And he found Abraham who was going to be the source and origin of God's kingdom. Now, Abraham started out with his family, tiny, hardly nobody in it, a nomadic tribe, hardly a threat to any nation. And God wandered them around in the wilderness, fed them, take, took care of them. They kind of grew, multiplied. Then he, drugged, he commanded them or pulled them, drew them, whatever, down into Egypt where they were all almost annihilated again, immersed in the Egyptian culture. The Egyptians were killing the offspring, trying to swallow up the kingdom of God, the little tiny, tiny pod of God's, God's righteousness. And, and, and what happened is God then delivered his little people, million people, not, not a small bunch, but compared to the rest of the world, it's not that great. He, he delivered them through the Red Sea, destroyed their captors. So God identified, and, and so then we move on. We're in the wilderness now. I'm giving you kind of the history of the kingdom, and then we'll get to the place of the clash. And the, it's been clashed all, clashing all along, right? Exactly, yeah. exactly, right from the beginning. But, see, God was wanting to establish a unique people right. through whom he could rule. Because you think the term kingdom, it means a king, With and a it means a dome, a dome or a dominion. Mm-hmm. So one who rules a dominion, and he wanted to rule he wanted to have a people a distinct people right. that would that would bring in righteousness and restoration in yeah. the earth and ultimately a people who would be willing to be ruled by god so what he did in the beginning as he as god had his little band of little family in the wilderness and he he uh, took them into the the land of giants he established them there they were uh, a kingdom an infant nation uh, not identified by uh, national land boundaries or um, uh, national pride at that point in time, um, but by very specific laws, especially in the wilderness. They had no land. They were wandering through, going around in circles, actually. And there was, there was God gave them specific laws. We call it the law. And with the law, there was the ceremonial laws and the circumstantial laws. The circumstantial would be like the Ten Commandments which would guide uh, and govern circumstances, behaviors, relationships. And then the ceremonial law was the, uh, the, the um, sacrifices, the altar, the tabernacle, um, the feast days. So they were, um, the, these uh, traditions, commands, these laws were uh, in, you know, given to the people to help to distinguish them, to keep them, to protect them from being reabsorbed by the nations that they were living in the midst of. Yeah, um, and one of the things, too, it was that there were practical things, too, as far as even sanitation right. and, 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 and so how to Order. get along socially and laws. Court given systems. to mm-hmm. Court systems, mm-hmm. how, to, how to treat your neighbor, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And then, of course, the whole system of the tabernacle and later the temple was a picture, uh, really a, a physical expression Symbolic. of what's, what's going yeah. on in heaven. But it's also speaking of who, who Jesus is, the Redeemer that would come. Uh, one a foreshadowing day, of a the, foreshadowing yeah. of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, who would preach the kingdom of God and bring in the kingdom of God in a whole new dimension. So there, this is really uh, uh, the heart and core of God's people was the law, and so you can understand how when Jesus comes later, which we're going to talk about, to uh, kind of um, readdress the law and its purposes and reestablish um, the law of grace and love. It was, uh, there was quite a clash at that point, but between the time of Lucifer's fall and, and the wilderness wanderings and the establishing of the nation of Israel, they're coming up as a nation from one man. All, there was nothing but war and conflict, nothing but Satan's attempt, the kingdom of darkness's attempt to snuff out this threat. Um, and so, they were, you know, the, the children of Israel were a tiny nation uh, sent in to capture the giants. Uh, and God, of course, helped them, gave them great victories. But even in the midst of that, when they were establishing their covenants, their king, their, their homeland, to, they were still compelled the law, which meant that their identity and their protections were in place. Because the, the, the law was given for two reasons, really, from God's point of view, to protect his people and preserve their identity because Satan was constantly coming, I believe, before the throne and saying, I have a right to hurt them. I have a right to take them. They're mine. 
And God would look down from heaven and say, well, look, no, they're still listening to me. They're still doing the sacrifices. They're abiding by my commandments. They're worshiping as I directed them. Um, they're not eating unclean things, et cetera, et cetera. They're my people. They're not obeying you. You don't have a right, you don't have a right to claim anything. And so the protection, obedience to the law that God had given them was their divine protection as well. So when, when Satan accused them, God could justify them be, through their, their devotion, their obedience. So the law was given as an uh, a, a example, as a, as a um, uh, proof, actually, that the keeping of the law meant that they were still under and with and, in, and, and, and involved in the heart of God. They were going with God. Right. It, it, God. The law was never intended to bring about salvation, their salvation. Never, ever. Never, ever. It was to, it was, yes, that you said protection. To bring us, a schoolmaster, to bring us to, to Christ. Yeah, Galatians talks about it. it was our schoolmaster, our tutor, to bring us to Christ, pointing to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But still the value there was to keep them, right. to keep Israel as a distinct nation unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. So what had happened was, um, you know, and this, this, Law, this tradition, this, uh, the, the traditions that God had given them, uh, preserved them even when they were overtaken by Assyria and the Babylonians. They were captured uh, and they came through these captivities still with an identity, still with a, uh, you know, they were, their allegiance was to Jerusalem. And so they were able to continue to maintain, even through generations, this focus on knowing that they were God's people. And so um, you know, everything, their priesthood, the tabernacle, the, the, the feast days, the order of service, everything was there to, to help them follow through and maintain their identity. However, when um, Jesus came, by the time Jesus came, um, their, their, their de- determination to keep the law, the letter of the law, was actually causing them to, it was killing them. Um, um, they were going through the motions. They were neglecting the spirit of the law, the love, the kindness, the peace, the heart, the truth of God, the goodwill towards men. They were re- really uh, neglecting that. And it was even questionable whether they could do good on the Sabbath. As we talked about in Matthew 12, when they talked to Jesus, was it good, okay to do good on the Sabbath? And Jesus said, well, would you pull your sheep out of the pit on the Sabbath? Is that a good thing to do? And of course they would do that. And of course it was fine, but they, had gotten to that nitpicky place where the letter was crushing them. It was becoming a burden for them. Jesus said, you create burdens too grievous to be born, and you put them on other people, and you don't bear them yourself. So the, the work of the law was really finished when Jesus was born, when Jesus got to full manhood, when Jesus was able to establish and declare the kingdom of God for the first time, really, in the eyes and understanding of the people. Then the, the, it's like this. The law is like the womb. And, you know, and the, and the child is like Jesus Christ. And the womb is essential to bring forth the child. But when the child is here, you don't hold on to the womb, the, the placenta. That, that is not necessarily anymore because that did its work. And now you, you bring forth the child, raise the child, and the child becomes the reason for the womb. And so Jesus was the reason for the law. He, he came to fulfill the law. And actually in that he began to declare that the law is, um, you know, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's obsolete. It's been completed. It's, it's fulfilled. It's finished. It's done. And, and so he came to establish the kingdom of God. And when he began to establish, the first thing he said was, well, he repent. Said, he, said, he, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And I just looking here at Matthew uh, 4, uh, 23 through 24. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, mm-hmm. preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria. Boy, do we hear a lot about Syria these days. Yeah. Still. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, mm-hmm. those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Wow. So we see there's a whole dynamic paradigm paradigm yeah. here, a whole powerful uh, internal uh, explosion, deep expression, manifestation, manifestation yeah. of the kingdom of God in the lives of mm-hmm. human beings. So here we see the kingdom 
uh, as uh, that that had, the kingdom of God that had operated under the law in the Old Testament did not have the power to heal, to deliver from demons, to heal the paralytics and the blind. It didn't have the power in demonstration. It only, you know, was it moved forward through obedience. But this Jesus came to present a kingdom of power, a kingdom of life, a kingdom of hope, a kingdom, really. And if your kingdom does not have power, you won't have a kingdom very long. And so he brought forth the power that had never been seen before, I don't believe, on the face of the earth, except maybe in one or two and, and isolated miracles with the prophets in the Old Testament. But this Jesus was the encapsul- encapsulation of the power and demonstration of God. So he came to establish the kingdom and to take it out of the external and put it into the hearts of men. Um, he wanted to make a new man, uh, a new kingdom, and establish the kingdom. He says the kingdom of God, when they said, well, where is it? He said, it's inside of you. It's within you. It's in their hearts, a new heard. It was unheard of to have a kingdom, a dominion established in a human heart. Um, That is the place where we think we have our own kingdom. That's where the seat of will, our will and our affections, where we make our own plans. Um, That's where real worship and allegiance and freedom and love are born. And God was coming to invade the kingdoms of the hearts of men to establish his kingdom in the heart. And that's why he said the kingdom is within you. And it's, it, it starts, it's new source and origin is in our hearts, and it's the love of God. In this clash of the kingdoms, uh, the prize is us. Yeah. Who will rule us? Satan wants us. God wants us. That's, that's where we are. That's where the clash is. And so um, the kingdom of God is within you. And the kingdom of God, uh, Romans fourteen seventeen said, the kingdom of God is not food and drink. It's not right, external yeah. kinds of things, right? But it Rituals, is righteousness, yeah. peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So what happened, which is very interesting. So when God said, Jesus said, the kingdom is with Satan. Kind of, he had to split his forces. He had to continue his external, outward aggressions against human beings, setting up circumstances, accidents, assaults, injuries, calamities, whatever. But now he had to also move his for his focus into the internal. Uh, inside the human heart, inside the human soul. And there's where the battle begins. It's the battle is in the, really, it's not in the mind just, it's in the soul. And the soul is your mind, will, and emotions. So the, um, the, there, it wasn't about national boundaries anymore. It was about human allegiance. It was about human worship. It was about this new kingdom, this total paradigm shift, uh, which Jesus was bringing forth, would start from the inside and work out. Now, the problem is it was going to have... Uh, New rules, a new, and that's what we talked about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. New rules, a new look, new objectives, new everything. Because Jesus had pointed out as he confronted the religious leaders of the old, the keepers of the old covenant, the old kingdom, that, you know, the purposes of God's kingdom on earth was the hearts and souls, the salvation of men, not necessarily just land. However, there is a twofold focus of the the almighty kingdom of God now is partly is on the still the children of Israel, the, the promised land and the nation of Israel It's also within the hearts of men. So God has now two battlefronts for his kingdom. Uh, and we see that and it's all going to come together as one in this final clash. But so when Jesus began to stand up and tell people that, um, you know, look, people, you know, keeping the law, the letter of the law, it's killed you. You've degenerated into a, a strict, binding, burdensome, rule-setting uh, sect um, that really doesn't care about men. Um, there, where's mercy? Where's uh, it's not operating? Where's the where's the spirit of God? The spirit of love? It's not. Where's the spirit of goodness and goodwill and grace? It's not here. So he began to uh, confront the keepers, the scribes, the Pharisees, uh, the, the the Sadducees, on on their position. Satan's looking for control. A king is someone who's in, in, in control, who rules. And one of the things that the law that was supposedly, to, you know, it was there to point us to Christ because of all the, the scribes and Pharisees and the lawyers, as you talked about, Margie, they added all these things. Right. They added all these minutiae 
all this, all these rules and regulations. That just created and a lot they, of problems. They were missing the whole well, point. Well, they were making a lot of opportunities for people to be bound in guilt and failure and, they and didn't realize breaking of the law. They, were, they didn't realize that they were basically instruments of Satan because yeah. they had taken God's law mm-hmm. and stretched it out and focused in a wrong way on it. And it's the same way today. Satan controls people through religion, religious spirits. Oh, denominations, uh, expectations. Denominations, not just prescriptions. Not, we're not just pagan talking. rituals, everything. Yeah, right. Yeah. So so this is actually what was going on among Israel who were to be the people of God. Yeah. So Jesus came in and dealt with that and says, Listen, what we're looking for here is the principle. We're looking for the the core thing that God is looking for. And it's really, it gets boils down to, love, uh, to love. Peace. Yeah. And, and so Jesus, you know, here he's confronting the old guard, the old, the old Testament guardians of the law um, and saying to them, he was declaring, this is obsolete. The law is now obsolete completed. I, you know, actually, if you look in um, Matthew chapter five, he, he goes right. It's very, very uh, systematic. Actually. He um, talks about, Oh, hold on. I'm going to find my, well, really he it's, says, first he, he, you know, he goes right into, the, the precepts of blessed are you when you're suffering and persecuted and weeping and, and mourning and, you know, kicked around. And then, but and by the time he gets to verse 17, he says, I fulfilled the law. All the law is fulfilled in me. It's been finished, completed. I've got it. I'm taking it. It's now a matter of receiving the benefits of the law. I, I, I mean, sorry, the, the benefits of my finishing of the law, which is grace and salvation. But the Pharisees, they had cured their identity, their place of notoriety, their honor, their control, their privilege among their fellows, you know, and didn't even realize that they, their real purpose had been to guard the hearts of the flock. But they had put all these external mandates and rituals and keeping of the law and sacrificing of the lambs. They didn't realize that that was part of God's plan to just simply hold the place for the Lamb of God to continue the sacrifices, which were every year a, rem- a reminder to the enemy of the symbolic uh, to soon to be fulfilled promise of the final lamb who is going to shed his blood for all mankind or whosoever will and to deliver us from the grip of Satan. So they didn't realize that that was their, their original divine uh, mandate was to keep these promises going through the day of atonement, yearly sacrifices, daily sacrifices, if you will. But when Jesus came with his message of the kingdom, it was not well received. Well, really, you know, the, the, just a quick overview here of the topics in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, we have the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, that believers are salt and light. That Christ is fulfilling the law. That murder begins in the heart. There's mm-hmm. adultery begins in the heart. Mm-hmm. Marriage is sacred and binding. Uh, go the second mile. Love your enemies. Showed us how to pray fasting to be seen by God, not by men, laying up treasures in heaven. Uh, you can't serve God and mammon. Don't worry. Don't judge. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way. Uh, false prophets are known by their fruits. Uh, build yeah. on the rock. And, and the revelation of Jesus Christ and, and oh, coming to him, uh, hearing his word and, and um coming to him, hearing his word and obeying his word. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, the response of the people at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which are the, it's life, basically, it's like the description of life in the kingdom of God. It says in Matthew seven twenty eight and 29, so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching, mm-hmm. for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Right. So the people said, wow, we've never heard anything quite like this well, before. This is, and, and this, there was an authority with, of course, you're talking about the king is talking. Right. And there's an authority there that the other they teachers or the, the, they the, recognize the, the, difference. the keepers of the law did not have. So, yeah, they did. But see, the thing is, they recognized the difference. They actually saw it. They caught the, con- the, 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 the contrast because what Jesus was saying, look at Look at what your law has reduced to. You know, the devil had really infiltrated the people of God very subtly through legalism, through religious, legalistic keeping, going through the motions, lip service, and taken away from them their real heart devotion and desire to obey God and, and 
follow God and know God because they love God. So the people had become, uh, and, and the, the point of the law, the, the people themselves had become crushed. And the fruit of the law keeping um, was, you know, not goodness and goodwill towards men. Uh, it was hurt and greed and covetousness and maliciousness. Um, Pride. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the only thing that, that kind of remained for the people of God, as opposed to being different from the people of the world, which was originally the, the purpose was to stay distinct, was their dress. Their, so their rituals separated them from others, other, for example, pagan nations who had different rituals. But, you know, the rituals were bringing forth no fruit of love and joy and goodness and peace and, and freedom from guilt. So the so-called spiritual leaders were there. Jesus said, you're, he, when he, Matthew 23, when he really chewed out the scribes and Pharisees, he said, you lay all these burdens on the people. You're weighing them down with all these, right. uh, all these rules. And it's doing them no good. Right. It's and, only setting up more guilt and separation from Right. God. And then also along with that, he said at one point, he said, you, you won't go into the kingdom of God yourself. Right. And the ones that are coming in, that are wanting to come in, that's seeing the kingdom of God, that are, that are entering, you're hindering them. So you won't go in yourself. You won't go into the new house of called the kingdom of God. And the people that are wanting to come in, you're kind of beat them up as they're, they're at the door. But see, the thing is, Jesus and God, the kingdom of God, knows that the only place where the kingdom of God can ever be established is within the hearts and souls of men. Yes. And so the external methods and mandates and political legislative measures that, that could never put those laws in the heart of a person. And to this very day, people go through tons of religious motions, uh, liturgies, rituals, uh, church attendance, checking off the list. Uh, church commandments, uh, honoring various leaders, and it doesn't change their heart. God wants the heart. He doesn't, you know, any, the outside circumstances are not the important thing. It's what comes out of the heart. What the heart is full of, the man speaks, the mouth speaks. And so the kingdom of God was to be established in the heart. And as Jesus took inventory of what, he came down to the earth and took inventory, and he said, look, guys, you know, we're done with this. This law is not working. I'm turning it upside down. It's not producing the kind of fruit we want. There's no power here. There's a lot of oppression here. There's, there's class systems being set up. There's holier than thou, self-righteousness, spiritual blindness. We don't like all that. That is not God's heart. That is not the intention of the law. And yet to this very day, we have all these laws, 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 commandments, commandments, commandments. And Satan uses all of those commandments and laws to make people feel guilty for breaking them. And then he judges them and says, God's judging you because God's mad at you because you broke God's law. When God is saying, I've, I've, over, I've, you know, I've, I've upgraded the law. The law is now Jesus Christ and obedience and following him. It's the law of love, love and truth spoken together. But see, so Satan is using still those people who are kind of caught in the, they're not in the Old Testament. They're not quite in the New Testament, kind of in the middle. And he uses the law to just break them, crush them. They're getting hit from both ways because they're feeling that God is the one who gave them. Yes, God did give the law, but God also, you know, upgraded the law. God also uh, exchanged the law for salvation, for blood atonement, for the sacrifice that Jesus paid the price for our salvation on the cross. It's a whole new ball game, and it's called grace. It's not called guilt. But Satan still tries to make the people who want grace feel guilty because they somehow broke the law when God is saying, what are you talking about? And I, I remember when I was a little kid growing up, this is just an example. We had many church laws, and one of them was thou shalt not. You can't eat meat on Friday. Obviously, that's a man-made law. That's not one of the Ten Commandments. And um, so anybody who ate meat on Friday would be identified as one who had committed a mortal sin. Now, you could go to confession and pretty much get that taken care of. But if you died without getting that taken care of, the, uh, the consequence was that you were going to go to hell. Now, the interesting part is, um, you know, in the, the one of the later councils, I don't know, in the 60s or 70s or whatever, they changed the rule. So they said, now it's, not, it's okay to eat meat on Friday and you won't go to hell if you eat meat on Friday. And so I'm wondering if all the people who were mandated to go to hell under that commandment um, who felt guilty and bad, if they got let out of hell because they changed the rule. This is ridiculous, isn't it? It's kind of, but it makes, it, it makes perfect sense when you're legislating a person's final destiny uh, based on uh, you know, 
man-made rules. And guilt and, and things that God, God never even made the rules. So why would God honor the devil to say, okay, we got the rule now. They get to go to hell if they eat meat on Friday. Okay, fine. No. God is saying, what are you talking about? I don't have a rule like that. And so many of the times you and I are under the guilt and condemnation, the accusations of the devil, and we're not guilty. Paul says, there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And right before that, he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? Because I'm sinning. I'm doing things I don't want to do. And then he says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. And this, again, throws a, 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 a wrench in the idea of it's up to me and I got to take responsibility. I'm not saying we'd be irresponsible. I'm saying we'd be obedient and God is faithful to complete well, the work he's begun. Well, in. before we come to Christ, we are, we are guilty of, of, of believing lies. We are guilty of sin. And so the, the way we come to Christ is to repent, to change our minds, realize that, well, listen, this is wrong. We're going in the wrong direction. Uh, there's, there's something called uh, conviction of sin where the Holy Spirit lets us know the sin that's in our life and the desire to be free, we're, we're, we're not free through our own works or our own effort. We're for, free through, through faith in Jesus Christ. Right. And then his work in us makes us new, uh, a new creation. Mm-hmm. And then we live that out by the Spirit of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit coming out of us. It's not just, we're not made righteous by the works of the law. Right. And this is a long topic, and we're not really talking about this so much, but it is very basic to the kingdom of God and this, when we sin, we're guilty. Well, actually we say it that way or Satan wants us to say it that way, but really what it is, we are, uh, we sinned because we got deceived and because we got deceived, we broke a law. And when we broke the law, Satan comes back and says, you are guilty king the law. And so therefore when Satan uses, he loves the law. He loves to use the law. He says, you know, without a speeding sign, you'd never have any traffic tickets written. So, the, you know, if, if you have to write out a traffic ticket, you have to have a law. So you have to have the law that says whatever, you know, Satan makes up in your mind and heart is the law. And he gets you to break it. Then he tells you're guilty. And now you deserve to be punished. So Satan brings down these demonic punishments and judgments. And we all think it's God because God's mad at me. And, and in Job, the, the final word in the book of Job is God was saying to Job, pray for your friends because I didn't do this. I did not bring all this calamity on you. Satan came. He wanted to test you. He wanted to test me in my workmanship. If it was good in you and that our love was good, he wanted to test that. He thought he could break us. And so Satan was the one who started this, not me. And so, and, and that was a nice thing that God finally stood up for himself and says, I didn't do this. You better pray, Job, pray for your friends, lest, you know, lest trouble come upon them. And so the thing is, so the external methods you and I might be using to make God happy, Whatever those might be, examine your heart. You get all bangled, tangled up in, in feeling bad and being stupid and getting deceived and doing the same old bad things over and over again. And you wonder, well, am I really saved? You know, did I really get saved? God is the one in charge of your transformation, your salvation. You get saved by accepting Jesus Christ, his blood, saying, surrendering, saying, I can't do this. I cannot get myself to heaven. And by faith, I'm believing that God said, if I surrender to him, he will get me there. That's the faith in the promise. Abraham had to, his righteousness also came through faith in the promise of what God promised him was, was children and uh, nations and uh, land. And so we believe God. And so Jesus is setting up and establishing the new rules, if you will, of the kingdom of God on earth with his, with his coming, with the, with the kingdom of God. So, um, everything in the only ones who could enter into the kingdom of God, at this, the only entry point, the only way to enter, the only door into the kingdom of God, um, which was being extended to them as, as Jesus spoke to them, was he himself, the door. The, there's no other way given among men by where we must, be, we must be saved or can be saved. We have to come in through Jesus Christ who died for your sins. It's a simple, narrow gate, narrow door, but it's the only door. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. But except through mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. And it's so, so here, here's the deal. First uh, John five nineteen and 20. Here's a kind of the contrast again, where we see the clash of the kingdoms. Um, and, and then Jesus coming in. We know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. Mm-hmm. Sway or persuasion. Yeah. Persuasion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and we know, here's another thing that we know. This is a greater thing that we know. 
that the Son of God has come and given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. To know him, to know that we're in him, to know that you can know what you know. Not to think, feel, try to figure it out and feel condemned because you blew it. That's the soul. Knowing that you know is part of the kingdom of God. That's walking in the spirit. And when you walk in the spirit consistently, use the spirit software as opposed to your old soul software that's programmed by the devil in the pit. You will come into that place of knowing that you know what you know. And so in God's kingdom, as you enter through the door of Jesus Christ, there are no privileged classes. There is no respecter of persons. The law of love and truth working together to grow up and come into maturity in the Lord. Um, those, the law of truth and love give way to peace, remove anxiety, neurosis, fear, can't sleep, all of those things that trouble us. Um, when we begin to uh, be okay with uh, becoming vessels of goodwill towards men, uh, not good deeds, but our heart is there. We love them. Um, the old law of murder, like Jerry was saying earlier, the, the law of murder, which began in the, you know, in the heart, was manifested out in the community, um, was addressed where it really began as hatred in the heart, and it needed to be dealt with there. Uh, the law of, of fear, hatred, self-preservation, I'm going to get even. Um, the sin of lust and the stoning of adulterers wasn't the solution to the problem. Um, only the sinless one really could judge the sin. And that was where you again have to trust God to turn the sins and crimes, accusations and injustices over to the righteous judge. Um, divorce going through the, the list was never something God liked. As a matter of fact, um, he hated it, but he permitted it as the lesser of two evils. So we're seeing Jesus is addressing. And one other thing that's quite interesting that he also talks about in these uh, this discourse on the kingdom and we don't think about that much is law the law the oaths the vows that people make the verbal traps that we get set up in making promises uh and then getting caught in breaking those promises and satan of course loves to catch men in these helpless word weak word traps um so when we're unable to keep our promises that becomes the breaking of a law breaking of a word and the the demonic up to getting us to break those words uh, and fail and, and fail to be forthright. Jesus says, comes from the evil one. Very interesting. When, when your yes is not yes and your no is not no and you're going, mincing your words and, and failing to be forthright, it only sets up an evil pathway of confusion, misperceptions, misunderstandings in your communication. So if you're having trouble communicating with someone, you need to examine and let the Lord examine you to say, Are, am I being forthright? Am I operating out of the kingdom of God principles here? Yes, no. You know, being straightforward, or am I trying to uh, deceive or omit information or uh, try to um, disrespect the other person by telling a lie or hiding something? So, you know, the evil one uses our words. They're like sharp, deadly blades that cut and separate. And so Jesus here at this oath place of the oath, he's saying, don't make oaths. You know, you can't even change the color of your hair. Obviously, I don't know if they had hair color back then. They probably did. But he says, you can't grow yourself an inch taller than you are. So let's not try to do the harder things of keeping your word. Um, don't, don't make promises. Don't make a vow. You can say, the Lord willing, or I'd love to do it. I'm hoping the Lord has this for us. But, you know, something where you're not putting yourself on a hook where Satan can, you know, tear you down, take you out. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, he says that your yes be yes or your no, no. And it said, you know, he said, and James says, he says, don't say, well, we're going to go do this and we're going to go buy and sell and make mm-hmm. money and everything yeah. like that. He said, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall do this right. and this. And right. so mm-hmm. Lord willing, it's our desire to to obey the Lord, serve the Lord, follow the Lord. But, you know, we don't want to just, you know, uh, say Lord willing. And, and, and follow through. We need to be people, of, otherwise we get people up, of yeah. our word and mm-hmm. people of his word. Right. But because the we're Lord willing, God, yeah. we're going to do that because we don't, always know what God we don't know exactly what it's going to be. It says, okay, I might have this intention. Right. And James points that out. I might have intention to do this and this and this, but, you know, God may have something different and we need to flow with that. Yeah. That's part of the kingdom of God 
is being led by the Spirit of God. Oh, always. And so going back to the oaths and the vows for a minute, um, there's death and life in the power of the tongue. And Jesus knows that. And so he wants us to use our words carefully so Satan doesn't use our words against us. Because the demon keepers of the vows, if you say, you say, you heard yourself say, thought this, said this, whatever, I'll never, blah, blah, blah. I'll never let a man touch me again. I'll never, you know, you know, whatever, get close to people again or whatever. You're making some sort, sort of statement. And then that becomes a parameter. That becomes permission you've given the enemy to set up that wall, you know, and then deprive you of God's rich blessing in that place. So be careful for the words because the kingdom of God is um, the word of God spoken in and from the heart um, into the world, into the place. And that's where the word of faith, that's where the word of, of hope and encouragement comes. That's where we, we don't look at what it looks like. We look at what God says and we don't mully grub and, and murmur and complain and get negative. And because those words are, if we, if we use our powerful weapons of words, our kingdom of God words, uh, and, and give them over to the devil. It's like handing your bullets over to the devil and say, okay, shoot me, here I am. And he will. He will definitely use your words against you. So those words, like I said, they're, they're, there's death, there's life, and the power of the tongue, they can cut, they can separate, they can destroy. We have to be careful. And so many times we're pushed and pressured to say words that we regret later. There's, when there's pressure on you to squeeze you, to get you to say something you're going to regret later, you're going to do is say, God have mercy on me and shut your mouth. Um, another thing that Jesus addresses in the, in the new kingdom dynamics is the, the issue of retaliation or getting even. And we know that offenses will come. We know there's lots of them. Um, it doesn't matter how nice you try to be. Um, we're all in the path of, uh, of injustice. It's going to happen. Uh, hurt, trouble, misunderstandings. And so when Jesus says in the new kingdom, judgment belongs to the judge. Let's not get entrapped or entangled in the, thing of trying to um, take the offense of bring justice and become just as wrong and hypocritical as the ones we're judging. Because one of the problems with judging people is spiritual blindness. The minute you begin to judge them, the minute, the second you begin to judge someone, you've just had the shades pull over your own eyes and you can't see your own stuff. And this is very detrimental because we're deceived by that. We think we're, we're right. And it's not about being right. It's not about being right. God knows who's right. God knows the heart. God knows what happened. God knows who did what and why and where the devil was in the whole mess. God is the only one who knows all that. He's the only one who can bring you true justice. If you try to get justice yourself, it's like trying to stop an 18-wheeler that's driving down the road, and he has no intention of stopping, and he doesn't even see you. You're going to get flattened. You cannot go and, and, and take this thing to wherever to get your own justice. You have to trust God. That's part of the kingdom of God, trusting God for justice and don't retaliate. Well, part of the part of the kingdom of God is is that forgiving and not judging because right. you know God knows the whole truth of the situation. Right. And another thing too with that is that in the kingdom of God, you you don't take offense because you realize that the enemy is working in the lives of people. You you have an understanding. Mm-hmm. God, it's we just read in First John five twenty, the Son of God has come and given us an understanding. So we can understand maybe why people respond the way they do, the act the way they do, you know, just you know, hurts from the past or the way they were brought up or mm-hmm. what they're going through. So we're not going to take offense because there's understanding that goes beyond any personal irritation or, or attack that would come from them against us. Yeah. And also, you know, not only understanding where this is all coming from, obviously because of the two kingdoms, this is the, this two kingdom understanding is, is essential to the spiritual war. It's essential to you being victorious in the war, but not only um, understanding the other person, but on the other hand, also knowing, knowing that Jesus is the faithful witness. He saw the whole thing go down. He knows exactly who did what he, he is just, he cannot sin against himself by bringing in an unjust ruling. He, he is faithful. And to know that is, you've got it, God. It's your problem. I'm, and also knowing who we are. Jesus did not take any of the stuff committed against him. Even the clash of the, of the Pharisees, the brutality of their vicious, uh, horrible traps and snares and, and, and grinding of their teeth and gnashing of their teeth and ripping of their garments. He didn't take any of it personally. He didn't take it personally when they plucked his beard and, and, and beat him because he knew who he was. And he knew the whole purpose of all of this was 
to defeat the kingdom of darkness. And that's what he did on the cross that day. It wasn't a defeat for the kingdom of God. It was actually with the resurrection. It was a powerful uh, demonstration of the establishing forever of the kingdom of God with Jesus Christ as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Absolutely. And we have to, rec- you know, recognizing that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Right. You know, it's not human beings are really not our enemy. He, right. Jesus could say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm. But the thing is here in the midst, uh, it looked where it looked like Jesus was the most miserable, defeated, despised, rejected, stupid human being, yeah. foolish, d- d- delusional, ever, mocked, uh, delusional, hated. Yeah, liar. It looked like this was the most despicable joke human being and and conditions that a person could come to. But it was through that, through that love that brought uh, the kingdom of God, his death on the cross, the shedding of his blood Mm -hmm. and his resurrection and ascension has brought has brought in the whole new dimension of the kingdom of God that Mm -hmm. he came to preach, not only preach it, but to establish well, it and bring it, it in. It's interesting that Jesus came to, as, a, as God and man, as a God-man, to, number one, live the principles of the kingdom that he was preaching as a human. He actually was tempted like we in all points, but yet without sin. He was tempted, I'm sure, to feel discouraged, um, to feel rejected, to feel, um, um, you know, hurt, uh, cast down, mocked. He, he, I'm sure he was tempted as a human to do all that. And yet as God, he was also mandated to walk in what he had just laid out in the law of love. So the new order of, of, of the kingdom is the order of love. Um, not just, now, not just now, not just loving your own people, but now he's calling us to love our enemies, those who hate you, those who deliberately try to hurt you. And we're not just called to love them. We're called to actively bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you and forgive them and be confident that God is going to fix it and make it right. He sees it. He knows it. He cannot do evil and he will not vindicate evil um, or protect evil or the evildoer. And the only way we can get validation is to repent. And so Jesus is really demonstrating himself. He's not just laying all, all these rules and things for us. He's saying, I'm doing this too. I'm the leader. Follow me. And he set up and established human beings, the 12 disciples, the apostles, the, those who followed him, to be able to live and operate out of the power of the kingdom of God. And yet we're, we're still in this powerful kingdom of God, still in this world where the battle and the conflict rages within and without every day. So now the battle is both external and internal in our souls and minds as Satan tries to use the operating software of hell to continue to handle us, manipulate us, and where the Spirit of God also downloaded into us begins to draw us into taking a stand, making uh, choices not to be deceived, following the truth, speaking in love. And so the war has been won, but it's still actively going on within us. And that's what we need to know, the clash of the kingdoms. Because the question is, where will you be when Jesus Christ comes back finally at the end to set up his kingdom? Yeah. Another thing, too, sometimes people think the Sermon on the Mount means that we just get to be a bunch of passive doormats. But actually, this is this is the the aggression, the aggression of the kingdom of God. The power of the kingdom of God is is love, which (laughs) includes forgiving, loving your enemies. Um, That is not uh, passive. That is powerful. That is that. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. So this is this is how Jesus overcame what through through love, through through truth. Yeah. And uh, and through forgiveness, that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, can I just say something on that love and truth? Yeah. You know, nowadays, Satan has taken the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's very clever, very wily. And he's, he's used the words, our, our buzzwords, our bywords, our passwords are, you know, love, 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 love. You kind of love, 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 love everybody for their behavior. Well, worst of all, we're beings not and we're beings who do things, but we're not doings who be things. And so when, when the, the enemy says you've got to love them and love their behavior, the Bible also is speaking the truth. Love. So truth is the balancing system uh, or the uh, uh, activating system of love. If you don't speak the truth to them in love, they will not be free. They will continue to be coddled in a deceptive, terrible, deadly 
lie. And so and we're not here to be God or be the Holy Spirit to people. We're here to love them as God would love them and let the Holy Spirit do his work in them. So when we are being tempted, as the enemy often wants to tempt us to be drawn into a political situation, yes, we're to speak, we're to stand, having to take a stand, but with the wisdom and counsel of God and always knowing that there is one way. There, Jesus says, I'm the way. There's one way. If you're in a, a situation right now that looks absolutely like you're colliding in every direction, there's no, no, no moves you can make, got no money, nobody loves you, got no place to live, you're out of moves, out of money, out of, t- out of time, out of everything. You still have one move you can make, and that move is always in the spirit. That move is to surrender to God. That move is to cry out to God. That move is to surrender it to God and say, God, have mercy upon me, and let God begin to make your moves for you. And you'll see you do have a move, one move left on the board that you can make, and that is a move in the spirit to surrender to God to get into the place where um, he can be, begin to uh, unravel the mysteries of iniquity that work against you and set you free. This kingdom, it's not of this world. Jesus said in John eighteen thirty six. Now, some people think, well, we're going to uh, the church is going to somehow take over the world. Yeah. We're going to take over all the, the the entire political system, educational system, and bring in all kinds of good system. things. We'll bring we'll bring the kingdom of God on earth, and then Jesus will come and say, "Oh my, you did a good job. You did the whole thing. You took over the whole earth." I'm so proud well, of you. But the, this eternal kingdom, yes, we're to you know to to be light and salt in all these various areas. But the kingdom of God on earth is not going to be established till Jesus Christ comes, yeah. returns. To rule and reign. And the kingdom of God on earth is not going to be set up with more rules, better rules, better legislation, better laws. It, it, obviously, it's not going to happen that way. We've tried, 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 tried. I mean, the laws are for lawbreakers. The good guys, they don't need all these laws because they're going to obey anyway. They're going to be good and kind and love and give and not steal and not be cheating and not covetous and not try to rip somebody off already. But so the law is having to be given for the lawbreakers. But Jesus, when he comes back, to set up the, the, the final clash of these kingdoms is coming. It's, it's on the schedule. I believe it's, it's within probably our lifetime that the, 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 the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our Christ and of, of the Lord God. And so Satan, even in his allied forces of evil nowadays, is trying to align himself uh, with his, um, his allies to put together a, a, a war, a plan, a strategy to kill Jesus, to destroy his church, he, he, the gates of hell, Jesus said it, they will not prevail against my church. The gates of hell will not prevail. Devil, there's your warning. You're not going to prevail. You didn't keep me in the grave. I got the keys back. You can't stop me. And it's for us to know as the people of God to be excited to know that our king is a hero. Our king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Our king is the one who's coming back. And you and I may live to see the clashes of the bombs and the, the blasts and the heat. And, the, and he tells us in Revelations it's going to be so messy. And the, 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 a lot of people are going to actually die because it's going to be that messy. It's not going to be like um, the social gospel says where we're just going to be nice to everybody and there's not going to be any more plagues and destructions. Because we, you, can't, you can be as nice as you want to everybody. You can be as good. You can get everybody to be nice to everybody. And the devil is still going to be here. And until the devil gets gone and gets moved, removed, there's always going to be somebody, something, some situation, some new devious demonic creation of something or other to create a problem because the devil is a problem and the fall of the devil's kingdom is what started the fall of man. And so the clash of the kingdoms, where the question is, where are you going to be? You, where are you going to be when God calls this thing to the surface calls this thing to the, to the to order and the whole earth is the whole cosmic the stars everything is pulled into this final battle where will you be will you be standing up looking up and, and waving at jesus and saying yay bless the lord god bless be the name of the lord who comes in the, to set me free to, to rescue are you are you going to say oh god oh no let the rocks hide me where are you going to be at the as we speak here now, there are allied evil powers that are are making war against Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. They're all through this earth, and they're going to be defeated when Jesus comes. These people, these are going to be motivated by Satan. They're going to try to stop the Son of Man from coming. Uh, we could say, uh, "Good luck with that." It's not going <laughs> to happen at all. Yeah. What we're looking for, yeah. and this is it. This is our hope. This is the truth. 
that in the days of these kings, which I believe are right of almost we're almost right in that time, Daniel two forty four, the the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, and it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever and ever. Mm-hmm. The kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. Do the Hallelujah chorus. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, the kingdoms, the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. So uh, he, he says in in, uh, in Revelations 15, the kingdoms of this world shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. And those are the lines of that song. So there's going to be what you said, this big huge battle. Daniel saw it. We see it, and we're excited. You pray. Thank you, Lord God. You, you told us to pray in Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, yes. your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we ask for that again, Lord. Yes, will your kingdom, may your kingdom, may your rulership, your sweet, loving rulership in our lives be extended in us, in our hearts personally. And Lord, help us to be messengers of your kingdom, to share the good news of the kingdom that you brought in you shared the good news of the kingdom of God, and you filled us with your Holy Spirit that we might go forth to everyone we can while we can to share the good news mm-hmm. of your kingdom. Help us to do that by your grace now. Keep us, Jesus. We Amen. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. If you want more information about us, Jerry and Margie Cole, uh, liferecovery.com or truelightchurchmn.org. And uh, be blessed. I have an emergency. What is your location?